keeping you up to date with everything teal and orange. Tannehill will throw it, and this will end it after the shovel, or will it? Oh, look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! A miracle! The Fins Up Podcast with your host, Hudson. You're listening to the Fins Up Podcast. My name's Hudson. Today we're going to take a look back at some of the roster moves Miami made during the week. We'll look ahead to their Week 16 matchup against the Bengals. Some teams you should be rooting for outside of the Bengals-Dolphins game, and I've got my free prediction for this Week 16 matchup. But if you need more content, which you know you do when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, make sure you search Fins Up Podcast on Facebook. So Miami made some roster moves of note during the week. The biggest one is placing starting linebacker Raekwon McMillan on injured reserve. It's a hamstring injury, which is good news. He missed his entire rookie year with an ACL injury. The fact that it's not a re-aggravation of that is good news for Dolphins fans. This late in the season, roster spots, especially on a bad team, would essentially become auditions for the next season. Those roster spots are at a premium, so you see a lot of players with what are considered like maybe minor injuries going to the injured reserve, and that seems to be the case here with Raekwon. McMillan finishes the season with 72 tackles. That ties him for second on the team with Eric Rowe. To compensate for Raekwon McMillan's loss, Miami signed Calvin Munson from the Patriots practice squad. And that's a trend we're continuing to see with Brian Flores brought in a Patriot-heavy staff to this Dolphins team, the Patriot way, like they say. And that's continuing here with the signing of Munson, someone that Miami feels can potentially make an impact. Obviously, Bill Belichick and the Patriots staff saw value to bring Munson in in 2017 as an undrafted free agent. Miami thinks he has an opportunity to potentially make an impact in the future for the Dolphins. It's worth seeing how much playtime Munson gets. Jerome Baker, obviously, he is the guy when it comes to that linebacking core. Sam McGuavin's reps we can expect to go up. He started the season actually at middle linebacker before having some substandard performances, which led to Raekwon McMillan getting his reps back. Andrew Van Ginkle... Uh, has been getting some reps as of late. He was on the midseason IR and came off of it, but he's been getting some reps at a weak side linebacker. We'll see if that continues or if Munson kind of eats into his reps. That brings us to the Week 16 matchup as the 1-13 Bengals travel to Miami to take on the 3-11 Dolphins. These two teams, for you history buffs, have met 23 times. Miami leads the all-time series 16-7. to uh, Most recent matchup was last year. Cincinnati beat Miami 27-17. to Matchups to watch within the game, Geno Atkins versus the Miami Guards. Uh, Geno Atkins is going to his seventh Pro Bowl. That's the most all-time by any Bengals player in franchise history. He alone can make things difficult for Miami. If you go back and look at the Bengals' one win this season against the New York Jets, the consistent theme is Geno Atkins and really that entire defensive front for the Bengals, making things hard on Sam Darnold, minimal time to pass the ball. Offensive line is a must-improve area for Miami. I've said it. It has to be a priority right up there with getting a franchise quarterback. It doesn't really matter who they're going to put behind center. Miami cannot protect the quarterback. Getting the ball out quick is key for Miami against the Bengals. In the interest of not becoming one-dimensional, Miami has to at least commit to trying to run the ball. A lot of teams need to commit to running the ball, which implies that they do it successfully. Miami, at this point, it's not going to happen probably, despite Cincinnati being the only team in the NFL that's worse than Miami when it comes to rush defense. It's a matter of Miami running the ball 
on early downs to at least keep Cincinnati's defense somewhat honest. I don't think Miami will run the ball with much success, but it's something that's worth sticking to. Defensively, Miami has to try and slow down Joe Mixon and the Bengals' running game. Credit where it's due, Joe Mixon has come alive the second half of this season, especially last week against New England. Over five yards per rush as a team. You don't see that happen often against a Bill Belichick-led defense. Joe Mixon over 130 yards. We talked about it earlier. Raekwon McMillan headed to injured reserve, one of Miami's better defenders against the run. This opens up a whole new lane of possibilities for Joe Mixon potentially against the Dolphins. Time of possession within that is worth keeping an eye on. The fact that Cincinnati runs the ball well, Miami doesn't defend the run well, could lead to Cincinnati eating up you know, 13 play, 14 play drives in excess of five, six minutes could be a big factor as well. Cincinnati's also probably not crazy about throwing the ball a bunch, especially after Andy Dalton's four interception week against the New England Patriots. It just seems like an opportunity for Cincinnati to not get too cute. You know Miami can't defend the run. They ran the ball very well last week. Didn't pass the ball well last week. Common sense says to just run the ball if you're Cincinnati a bunch against this Miami front seven. But uh, Zach Taylor, not known for his play-calling prowess while he was in Miami. It's up to him to uh, keep it simple. Also worth keeping an eye on for me is every game the rest of the season after that big contract extension. Devontae Parker against a just better than average Cincinnati defense that ranked 15 in the league pass yards allowed per game. Good receivers show flashes. We've seen the flashes from Devontae Parker. We know it's there. It was always a matter of can he stay healthy Great receivers string together games. That's what the Stephon Diggs of the NFL do. That's what the Tariq Hills do. That's what the DeAndre Hopkins do. So I'm interested to see if Devontae Parker can keep this recent string of games up. If he does, if he proves that he is a legit number one NFL receiver, that probably puts Miami's need for receiver this offseason. The severity goes down quite substantially depending on how well Devontae Parker performs or if he's going to revert back to just showing flashes of the talent we know he has. There are some other games to keep an eye on, though, around the league that could help Miami's draft status come April. Houston and Tampa Bay, Finns fans should be cheering on the Buccaneers and the Jets-Steelers. I know it's tough to root for an AFC East rival, especially the Jets. But as they take on the Steelers, you're looking for a Jets win to improve Miami's draft position. Every time the Steelers or the Texans get pegged down a little bit when it comes to draft status, it's going to help Miami. More ammunition going into the offseason. You never know what could happen. I don't think Miami makes a big push for the number one overall spot, which would require giving up multiple first-round draft picks. But it's just nice to know that that's potentially on the table if need be. My Week 16 matchup for the Bengals and Dolphins. First of all, it's become clear that the Dolphins, the team, the staff, no intentions of tanking, which you can't blame them. They're professional athletes. They're professional coaches. You can't blame them for wanting to do as good as possible. But I think that means we need to start holding Brian Flores, the staff, and the roster to a much higher standard, something that Adam Gase didn't do a great job with in years past, and Miami, it seems, in general, hasn't done a great job with in years past, is beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And I think this is one of those times where Miami should beat a one-win Cincinnati Bengals team. For the fans, it's all about tanking. I know it's all about getting that better draft pick. 
But we still need to look at developing Brian Flores, first-time head coach. We need to look at how he develops over the course of the season, which more wins as of late, more competitive games as of late. Those are good. But if you want to say there's no moral wins in the NFL, there's no moral victories, that's fair. Okay, you have to go out and you have to beat the Bengals at home. Every other coach, every other team in the NFL, it's a must-win in the sense of where if you play the Bengals at home in Week 16, you should win and you have to win. You have to beat the teams that are worse than you. That's what's going on here. All that being said, though, I I don't know. I don't think. I don't believe in the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to get it done. My prediction for this game, 17-14 Bengals. Winds are looking like they're going to be about 15 miles per hour throughout the course of the game. Rain is in the forecast as well. These are two bad teams. You can look into the micro-analytics all you want. You can really pick apart the stats. Four combined wins between these two teams. Dolphins, depending on who you look at, who you ask, a one-point favorite. Some websites have the Bengals as a favorite. Either way, I'm taking the Bengals to cover most spreads, whether they be a one-point favorite or a one-and-a-half-point underdog. I like the Bengals to win 17-14. to 14. Also, I like the under, 46 points over under, bad weather, bad teams. I think Cincinnati runs the ball a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, Joe Mixon, if the over-under, if it's 70 rushing yards, I'm taking that over as well. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. A lot of time of possession. Bad weather leads to a low-scoring game. I don't expect it to be a shootout by any means. But I want to hear from you. Let me know who are some players you're looking at in this Bengals-Dolphins matchup. Let me know your final score prediction, who will win. And don't forget to like Fins Up Podcast on Facebook.